I, I truly believe that hotels should not be run by hoteliers. I, I think that that's yeah. that's that's gone. That's that's old. That's that's not <laughs> that's not done anymore. Welcome back to Connecting Rooms, a podcast by Circle Collection. I'm your host, Laura Nalti. There's so much changing in every industry, especially in hospitality and travel, and it's a lot to unpack. We're here to figure out what we should be doing together by talking to thought leaders in various fields from art and design to hospitality. For this episode, I'm so excited to be joined by Irene Konenberg and Ellen Bronowitz. They're the founders of the renowned interior design and architecture firm aptly named Bronowitz and Cronenberg, or like we like to call it, BK. They built a reputation in building instant design classics, incorporating the history of the space and the story of the culture to create one-of-a-kind experiences all around the world. Today, we're talking about how the pandemic will change design, behaviors, and how it's affected them personally. It's so nice to have you guys join us today. I'm super um, excited to ask you some questions. Obviously, we've worked together for so long, so we've known each other for many years. And I think this is just an opportunity for us to really share some of your thoughts, because I know you have many, on how you think things are changing, what do you think is most interesting, and what's maybe also a little bit annoying. Um, so I want to first dive into the story of you two. So Anytime somebody starts at the company, I have to explain that you're not just longtime partners of Circle Collection, but you're <laughs> truly an extension of our team. And for many of us, you're also family. And you're also my favorite romance story. So <laughs> <laughs> can you please share how you two met and how oh, the work relationship became romantic or romantic became professional? I want to hear that first. Oh. Uh. I, okay. I don't think I've ever seen Irina shy. <laughs> so many years, so many years ago. I think we are talking about uh, 27, 26 years ago, more or less. I found myself looking for a space for my own studio, and it was in an upcoming area in Tel Aviv. Uh, actually, it was a kind of a, a, a lot of uh, little industries of uh, of metal works and uh, and, crafts. and and crafts. Uh, but today it's a very very cool area where you can find a lot of designers and uh, and beautiful shops. Uh, but at that time, it was really the very beginnings. So I, my at that time I work a lot uh, on in the private sector of a residential, and when I saw the space, I I like I love it, uh, but I wasn't sure that it was the right one for my clientele. So <laughs> the the guy the owner said to me, listen, there is an architect in the right in the second floor. My the, the space that I looked it was in the third floor. So I come to alone, uh, knock the door and ask, okay, I'm a designer. He, you are an architect. Can you please share with me? And he was not, he was not nice, not <laughs> communicative, and I couldn't get any information from them. And then I decided I'm going to take the space. <laughs> and we become neighbors, you know, we become neighbors. And later on, we became, we start collaborating projects. 
way before we become a couple, actually, because we are partners in work, in life, in everything. But our beginnings were as, a, a, yes, as professional collaborators and not as... A, and uh, then we start, uh, yes, we start to to work together. And uh, then Alon started being nicer. And <laughs> yes, more communicative. It took it took some time. It took some time. He was the kind of uh, that he's. It was used, taming of the shrew. Yeah, it, he was used to be the one who makes it have the the last word. Mm -hmm. So he had and, to learn and, the other way now. <laughs> and, and as you know me, you know. So I start with the last word now. <laughs> Smart. <laughs> uh, yeah, we learn we learn a lot uh, since, and we learn how to collaborate in a in a good way in a pro. Yeah, I think. Yes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, yeah. It and was so, when fun. did B? Sorry, when did BK then start? When did you officially? I think it was 2000. 2000, yes. yes. Uh, around 2000, uh, most of the projects uh, that we had they were, uh, uh, yeah, we worked on them together and it started to be kind of ridiculous to keep uh, two offices. And we said, this millennium, we're going to do it differently. <laughs> <laughs> and this was like, okay, 2000, it's a good start to do things differently. Nice. So, so you we merged, merged offices uh, and apartments. We, yeah, we merged absolutely. the home and, and work nice. at that time. And very, yeah. very streamlined. <laughs> so can you talk a little bit about why you do what you do and what you love most about what you do? Mm. Yeah, I know you want to. I think that you know it goes back a little bit to to your to your first to the to how our com, com, uh, collaboration start, and I must say that uh, Alon and I were very very different, and our strengths are very different from each other, and uh, my. Um, uh, my uh, way of of uh, my approach to design of architecture always starts from from the uh, starts from the human aspect. My uh, changing realities. I really believe that design and architecture can change realities and the the way people behave, and uh, and it's our immediate. Uh, it's around us all the time, and uh, it affects the way we behave. And uh, I, I must say that I have a kind of a psychological, anthropological uh, uh, approach to design an architect. And I think that this is this is what I like the most because I, I really see how good architecture and good design change realities. And this is what makes me uh, yeah, makes me happy. Yeah. Well, um, I guess I'm on the same line with uh, Irene. Uh, it's all about people. Um, we love people. And I think that uh, there, there's, we are able to, architects and designers, wherever they are, whoever they are, um, they have the ability to interpret reality to you know to the public and 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 
serve as a kind of a bridge uh, between, you know, events that takes place and we have the ability to moderate, translate, facilitate uh, reality in such a way that people can, you know, uh, become more aware, become more knowledgeable. Um, um, their well-being is becoming <clears throat> on a higher level, and um, and these are intriguing aspects that really interest me. So, I think that um, every morning I wake up and I like rush to the office because this is, you know, that's my that's not only mine but also Irene's uh, passion. Uh, and you know, when you do your passion, then when people ask you, why do you work so much? I said, we don't work. We, we do, we do our passion, you know? Yeah. Um, and we enjoy it. Absolutely. And I think the, there's so many parallels in that with hospitality too. this idea of like, how can you kind of enhance someone's life and change their perspective or show them something new or give them something exciting to talk about and get inspired by. So when you talk about this like psychological approach to design and architecture, now we've all experienced a collective psychological shift with the pandemic. How do you think that's going to change design or will it even really change design? <laughs> well, we were, <clears throat> we are, Irene and I were discussing this for quite a lot of time because, uh, you know, uh, COVID has, uh, is coming in waves, right? It's going up, it's going down, it's a roller coaster. And one thing uh, during these uh, low tides of COVID, we were able to to fly away, you know, and and visit our projects and meet with people, you know, all around of Europe. And I must tell you that um, um, social distancing seems like you know, like fake news. You Absolutely, know? like uh, an, over, <laughs> an overrated notion that doesn't have to do anything with reality because. At the end of the day, we are human beings, and human beings will always, always strive to be together. So whatever happens, no matter what happens, we will always crave for the human touch. And so for me, social distancing doesn't exist. It's a momentary notion. It will go away. We will learn to live with what we have and we'll be close again together. Yeah, and, and it goes away every, uh, uh, between, with, between the, the peaks of the, of the COVID, it goes away. You can really feel that, that people, they don't want to live one apart of the other. And this is a great, you know. No, but it's also showed, you know, the strength of being together, you know? And, and this is something that I think, I think many, many people, you know, uh, really changed their life during this COVID, uh, and and dramatically. And and if Churchill said that, uh, never let a, a good crisis go to waste. So we we can see uh, a lot of people, you know, uh, doing that, and they complete. They you know they 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 left their jobs. They want to be masters of their life, masters of their time. They'll do it their own way. And hey, it works, you know? Um, so, and this is only one aspect. There are, there are so many others, but but for me, you know, COVID is, is just a catalyzator of 
better life. Um, and, and this is how we look at it. Yeah, we saw the same thing in the business that the minute they loosen the restrictions, yeah. all of that travel came right back. And even something like business travel, we thought, okay, everyone's going to stay on Zoom. They're saving all this money for not tra sending their teams out to travel and book flights and dinners. And then the second the restrictions were lifted, everyone was back on a business trip. And yeah, it yeah. made me so happy to see because I, it gives me a lot of hope, obviously, for the industry. But it also is telling that people crave that connection. And there are all these other parts to the job that are really fun and inspiring, too, which includes, of course, the business travel. So it becomes like a perk. So um, this idea of def definitely people wanting to see other things, be together, do you think anything's shifted in the way you do your work and the business that you do? Because I know I spoke to Irene a few weeks ago and you were like, oh, it was great. We were on the project the whole time. And I was like, what do you mean? And she was like, yeah, we were Zooming and just seeing everything happen. Um, so do you see that you're going to be doing more of that? Or has there been any change in your work process or how you talk to clients? Yeah, listen, first of all, there is something in the be very beginning when we start to Zoom and, and we had the, these ideas how Zoom will create the feeling of being uh, on the same uh, room, actually, with the people that you are Zooming. We are going to use smells, what we are going to use in order to create this feeling of there is no uh, uh, real distance between each other. And suddenly it becomes like super normal. We are able to, to transmit our feelings through Zoom as well. And uh, I must say that it's very practical. Uh, I, uh, you, a woman touch will, it's, it's, uh, it's super important. But there are many, many meetings that they are kind of technical meetings that of course can be done by, by Zoom and we use it a lot and in a way we become more effective. I think that uh, every, every one of us become more effective and the kind of separation that was between work and life, being able of doing everything together, it's more effective than a, a split our different activities in place and time. And uh, this is something that we exercise a lot lately. Uh, you, I don't know if you know, but we always choose that our home will be very, very close to our uh, studio. So this is part of our philosophy of life, that uh, life and work, it's one. Uh, but today, you know, it's much easier to explain that to people. And this is a good thing. Uh, this is kind of, yes, the outcome of, of uh, this new situation. I really, I think that there are a few, we are, we are in the process. We really cannot understand yet what will be the outcome of this situation. We're in crisis, we are moving, we are inventing uh, ourselves uh, day by day, we are uh, we, we become very flexible, we change our approach, uh, you know, a few times uh, a month in things that we understand that can, needs to be, they need to be uh, uh, addressed, uh, differently. addressed differently. 
you know, today uh, we got in the newspaper that Europe is uh, about to uh, be a red, a red continent. Okay, so, you know, one year ago was like a, was such a drama. And today we said, okay, they are going to be red for two weeks or three, and then they are not going to be red anymore, and we are going to manage with what we have, and that's perfectly okay. Uh, so I think that what I can say is that we became more flexible, and flexible, it's a great, to be flexible, the, the, the stronger, you know, the, the, the people that survive always, they are the flexible, not the strongest. And, uh, and this is a good thing. This is a, really a lesson to learn. Absolutely. And do you think that flexibility now comes also in the design too? Do you Absolutely. sense that like, especially because I think something that you guys are so good at is this idea of spatial flow. And I've heard you talk about it too. And um, I know as well, Liran, that's what he relies on you a lot of the time. It's like, okay, how do people want to move in this space? And I know we've done big changes architecturally to spaces because of things that you suggested that might've made sense from a design perspective. It looks nice, but then we didn't move forward because you were like, no, this is not how people want to feel when they're sitting in this space. Um, I'm thinking the example here in one of the restaurants, we have a private dining room and it, it used to be glass. And you're like, nobody wants to feel like they're being stared at in a fishbowl. And so then we clevered it up, even though it looked nice, it wasn't how people wanted to feel. So can you talk a little bit about this like flexibility or how people wanna feel when they're in the space and how you've adjusted the work that you do? Well, um... As Ivana mentioned, I think the, the, there, there is um, COVID accelerated really a lot of things the way we live. And I think that, uh, you know, being able to Zoom um, just makes your life more on a fast track because you finish one, you start the other, you start the third, you start the fourth, you know, you can spend the whole day, you know, Zooming. Now, when you think about it, you know, like these four meetings, on a regular basis without COVID, you know, that would take you a week time to go through because one would be on Monday, the other would be, but, but suddenly, you know, everything is, is, is like coming to you in a, such a speed, you know, that everything is accelerated. And, and then it adds a lot of pressure to your daily life because suddenly you're doing probably twice meetings as, as you, you would have if it wasn't, if it wasn't for Zoom. So, so we are, what happens at the bottom line that in your mind, you feel that you are moving much faster than before. And therefore, the way, the pace of your life is much faster. So then you start doing everything in a little bit faster because you're in the rhythm of, you know, doing this and that and suddenly, and you find yourself doing things that are from the section of your home or family or friends and stuff, you know, mixed together with a Zoom here and a Zoom there, and you're in a restaurant, you step out, you make 20 minutes Zoom, you can, you go back to the restaurant and, you know, it's like, it's like, it's like really crazy. And, but the bottom line is that we have become, you know, very flexible and we, we, we are more um, inclined uh, of changing realities in front of us, of, of being in different zones, 
you know, simultaneously or, or, or not. And this, what it does, it, it, it's, uh, people get accustomed to change because change becomes like something that is like given, you know, it's not something you decide if you want or not, it's there and you're part of it. So it's like a suit that you wear every morning that is called change and, and, and it obliges you to move in a very different way than before. So when you come to spaces, then you have to think, hey, you know, this space, well, I can co-work here and then there's a, there's a kind of a seminar, you know, like uh, five meters for me because the space can allocate, you know, 30 people sitting, you know, in such a way. And, and it seems normal. It seems like the most, you know, natural thing to do. And, 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 and suddenly the spaces that we design are like clean slate, like a theater of sorts, you know, uh, that can curtains up, curtains down, curtains, you know, you, the stage moves, rotates, you know, flips around, you know, it's like this kind of a notion. And what it does is that when we think today about public spaces and not only about public, also the more private zones, then change is something that becomes a tool. It's not just a notion, it's something that we play with a lot because people expect change because that's how they live their life. Um, and, and they are able to do it or not, use it or not, you know? So it's, it's our prerogative if we want to change or not, but the space allows you to do it. Right. And I think this is this is one of the strongest, I think, evolutions of COVID with spaces. Today. Yeah, that, that they, they, they start to be before that, actually. Yes. I, I think that COVID was an accelerator. Accelerator, of, absolutely. Um, because this is the multifunction, the use of spaces in different ways. This is something that started before the COVID. But the COVID made this super relevant and uh, and uh, yeah yeah and on now uh, as a counter force because every 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 action has a counter action so as a counter action there's something really interesting that we see a lot of projects that are kind of a make-believe escapism you know of sorts that gives you this soothing in tears you yeah. know old school kind of a thing that you feel very comfortable protected embraced in a movie you know yeah, like you're living in a movie you know like you're living on a set so that's like the counter action of what we're talking about change and moving forward and all of that so it's really interesting to see those two you know the spaces that you know they look like well we've seen that before you know it's just a little bit more fresh and the spaces that are asking to innovate to bring something fresh and new and totally different so you see those two words you know living one next to the other totally you know? i recognize that also personally i think this feeling what you're talking about absolutely of things being accelerated so on mm -hmm. one hand we think oh it's super practical right that we can do all these back-to-back -back zoom meetings but you're right it's just increasing how the volume that we're able to handle in a week and yeah. so that was going to be my next question as well like what's the kind of <laughs> antidote because i think on one hand it's great right but on the other hand are we getting so tired that we're craving spaces that just help us calm down and disconnect a bit as opposed to continue to work in this really multifaceted high-paced way 
Well, I think I think that um, um, your, your well-being and your peace of mind starts within yourself. So it's not about the spaces, you know. Uh, if I work uh, in an extreme rhythm, then I should tell myself, well, maybe you should work three days a week and not five days a week, you know. Uh, so, so these are. It's, it's also important to see that it's not. We are not just reacting to something that took over our life. We can be masters of our life. There's ways to do it if you think out, outside the box. You know, when you think about what is important for me. You know, how do I want to live my life? And many, many people did that. And 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 one of the reasons they left their jobs is for that reason, where they said enough. Enough, you know, we can't do it anymore. You know, that's not the rhythm and the pace of the life. So, so I don't think it's necessarily about the spaces, but it's, it's it has to start from you as a human being. What are you looking for? Some people look for that, as you mentioned, and some people look for the other way to continue, you know, rolling and running and whatever. And making more and more. Yeah, yeah and making more and more. So, absolutely. We just talked about that recently with another guest as well, this idea of like people just getting their power back too through the yeah. pandemic and finding out, okay, what do I need? And being a little bit more decisive and like, okay, these are my boundaries. Um, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how people do that in their spaces as well. Yeah. I would love to talk to you guys about what is the, some of the things you wish that people were thinking about in terms of design and architecture right now? Uh, isn't, as you know, uh, Laura, that uh, although we can be very playful when we design, but we think that design and architecture are, are fully serious mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. And and as I told you before, uh, uh, good design change realities. Good architecture change realities. Design has the power of, of in, in no time, a, a, a show the changes in society. And this is something that, uh, that's why design is so important. Uh, and architecture, it takes more time, but actually shows even, even in a stronger way, the changes in reality, but through many years. With design, you can really, it's a, it's a thermometer of the changes in society. And I think this is, so we can, we can make it or break it with design. And you can, we can do something that it's empower and, and we can do something that it's, something that doesn't mean anything, you know, that it's a kind of fashion that, you know, you experience it's kind of a, the wow effect. You see it one, you say wow, and then... You go to the next one. You go to the next one. <laughs> <laughs> and so do you guys have some predictions for what it's going to be like in the next 10 years or how things are going to be changing in the future? Isn't what we... we uh, what we see around us, uh, you know, that besides uh, interior design, we 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 do also architecture and we support uh, entrepreneurs when they come to define a, a project in terms of interiors or in terms of of architecture and urbanistic. And uh, what we see is that there are more and more projects that 
they they have multiple multiple uh, functions and they take in consideration also that people of different ages they they live together and they collaborate together and this of course will change the 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 the, the way of looking at design because we will have projects where you have elderly houses that will not be called anymore elderly houses uh, uh, you, you will have a student uh, accommodations, we have hotels and retail, and everything will work together because today we know that people of different ages, that they live together, they live better than uh, segmentations of, 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 uh, of, uh, of people. Uh, I think that this is uh, something that it's... Uh, it's very strong. I, I, I see again that uh, uh, we will need to start to to take in consideration more and more the uh, people that they are in their fifties plus plus that actually they are a working force that in its prime uh, in its prime with a lot of experience but they have different needs and they cannot approach the way of working that was you know in the on the on the last years they need, we need to understand how these people can be active and design needs to react to that, to that. i really see design as a reactor of of social uh, changes and and this is the kind of things that I feel that we will need mm-hmm. we will need to address. Uh, I, you know the fifty the sixties are the the sixties are uh, how do you say the fourth uh, how how do you say that the the sixties are the new forties yeah. okay <laughs> and and uh, and this is something that will really have an effect in the way we design. Uh, in a way, we are going to design, of course, there is a kind of fragmentation and the experiences should be very, very specific, but it's not anymore about age. It's about different things, things that actually put people together and uh, wh- what are the preferences of of certain people. It doesn't, doesn't matter if they are a, a younger or not in terms of um, hospitality on the same subject is something that what what we foresee for the future is um, what we call uh, uh, beyond hospitality um, and uh, and it's 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 a new it's a new genre of hospitality uh, which we see only buds right now, like little buds. But I, I truly believe that hotels should not be run by hoteliers. I, I think that that's yeah. that's that's gone. That's that's old. That's that's not <laughs> that's not done anymore. This is all the news. Uh, we say, and uh, I think that as um, um, as the way we. Irene and I look at uh, hospitality today. Uh, it's really uh, becoming, uh, I would say, social hubs that contain and 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 create, um, you know, aspects of almost every aspect of our life. 
and they become like uh, kind of um, uh, centers, you know, like social centers for the communities, you know, within cities. Uh, because they are never, hotels are, they have great infrastructures. Uh, they never have a hundred occupancy, uh, occupancy rate. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of space and there's a lot of potential there, you know, to cater for, you know, the communities. Uh, because, um, um, I think that it's time that hotels become something which are bigger than hotels and they support uh, you know the, the the infrastructure of the city and allowing spaces for people uh, to do much more than work over there, but really find find it you know like a, like a like a kind of a community center of sorts. That if you want to sleep over there, yeah, we have rooms upstairs if you if you need a rest. But but there are much more. There are spaces that are more, um, I would say, streaming with life. And allowing everybody to come in and find, you know, whatever necessary, and they can do it in the in the guest room. They can do it in the public rooms. They can do it wherever. And curating is a very important yep. profession. It's that we the think, new profession yeah. of the hospitality. Yeah, that we are missing because curating it's about you know it's about um, it's work and art and theater and cinema and and events and culinary and fashion and all of those you know coming into that thing and no atelier in the world no one that i know of you know can master the complication of bringing everything together and it will come together and therefore you start seeing like groups of 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 hospitality that are hiring for the management people that never have been in the hotel industry you know and that that's that's a sign that they believe that there are other professions and the other fields that need to go inside hence they're bringing the people who can do it the best you know the best way they can and it's certainly not hoteliers you know so uh, this is something i think that we will see in the next decade, on a much you know intensive uh, level, uh, and and uh, so we we this is this is hospitality beyond hospitality. Absolutely, uh, I mission don't know accepted. How mission what? accepted. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we. I think it's a super ambitious mission, and I think it's absolutely correct. And also, there's so many beautiful parallels with what we were talking about earlier in terms of flexibility, uh, how people are becoming more flexible. So spaces mm -hmm. need to become more flexible. Irene, you talked a lot about diversity. So just how can you tailor to different people? Because now, like you said, the uh, six, 60 is the new 40. But I think it's in terms of everything, right? The diversity all over, everybody can absorb much more um, complicated and diverse information and perspectives more than they ever were able to before. So now just to wrap up, because I'm seeing that we're also running out of time, I just want to see, is there any advice that you have for people designing spaces for hospitality now? I mean, that's a good one, what you just mentioned, Alon, about just making it more multifaceted. Is there anything else you would suggest? I think that there is something that starts before before design, when you come to design. It's not about the decision of the functionality. It's about of discovering the soul of place. 
of buildings, of, of, of places. And I think that uh, this is something that if this is what I say to my, my, my team, the younger architects that they work for us, that the mission is to understand what the project wants to be. And, and, and you know, this is the first question, what the project wants to be, not how it will look. It is, that it's a complete different question. And I, I, I must say that I think that this is something that I would like to, to say to every young designer and architect. Ask yourself what the project ne needs to be. And of course, you will not know. So we need to make a very deep investigation to understand the 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 uh, uh, yeah the the kind of core essence of what yeah the core essence of yeah. of, of 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 the spaces yeah. the the insights that you will have when you are learning about them yeah. and this will bring you uh, to the answer what the space wants to be yeah. uh, and then go to the functionality of things and uh, to solve problems. Never start a project trying to solve a problem. Mm -hmm. Go deeper than that. Yeah. I think that's nice poetic personal advice too, <laughs> not just for projects. <laughs> um, and that's how I feel about this entire conversation. And this is why I love talking to both of you, because I think when you talk about projects, you talk about it with a lot of um, soul and there's a almost like a spirituality to how you approach projects and it is connected to human behavior and how we should all uh want to feel or will feel so thank you so much for your time today this was super thank nice you, Laura. anything Laura. else you want to say before we say goodbye that we want to see you soon again <laughs> you hopefully very soon then we'll have a follow-up <laughs> to how things are going well, thank you again. And thank if anybody wants to find more information, of course, they can find it on your website and your Instagram as well. So we'll include those links too. Thank you so thank much. You that brings us to the end of our episode. A huge thank you to Irina and Alon for sitting down with me today. Stay tuned and we'll have a new episode out soon. And the best way to find out when we have new episodes is of course to subscribe to Connecting Rooms on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. And of course we would love it if you would share an episode with your friends or leave a review. Thank you so much and see you next time.